Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Seb, how do you manage to keep yourself so perky and upbeat in the mornings? I thought you were going to ask me that question. Well, I'll tell you, I drink between three and 14 cups of coffee every day. I'd like to tell you about one of my favourite coffee companies, and that is Chimney Fire Coffee. Have you ever heard of them? I have heard of them. You know for why? They're sponsoring this podcast. Chimney Fire Coffee create responsibly crafted speciality coffee from their roasteries nestled in the Surrey Hills. They work hard to create a fully sustainable coffee journey by focusing on transparent sourcing, working directly with farmers and sharing their stories, and by using fully compostable packaging. They donate 25p from every regular bag and £1 from every kilo bag of all Discovery Coffee sales to Recycle, a small charity who refurbish bikes from the UK and ship them to rural communities in Africa. For every 28 kilos of coffee roasted, a single bike plus spare parts will be sent to these communities to help improve social mobility, children's education and overall health. Chimney Fire Coffee is proud to partner with 3 in a Bar podcast to offer listeners 20% off their first coffee order. Simply head to www.chimneyfirecoffee.com and use the code TIAB20 at checkout to redeem your discount. Hello, I'm Seb Philpott. Hello, I'm Verity Simmons, and this is Three in a Bar. Hey, welcome along. This is the podcast where we chat to a different musical guest every episode. And this week, we are delighted to have Public Service Broadcasting's J. Will Goose Esquire. Yeah, we are totally delighted to have him. He was brilliant. And it was great of him to spare a bit of time from his ridiculously chock-a-block schedule to speak to us yeah this is a critical time for him they've just released their fourth record bright magic which went in straight in at number two in the album charts that's amazing very good yeah yes uh i've got a little biography here which is actually on their website we always like it if a a guest has got a wikipedia page but actually (laughs) they have a very up-to-date and brilliant website so uh i'm not going to do the whole thing because it's quite long You can check it out for yourself at www.publicservicebroadcasting.net. But here's a glimpse just to give you a flavour. Public service broadcasting have been teaching the lessons of the past through the music of the future for more than a decade now. 2013's debut album, Inform, Educate, Entertain, used archival samples from the British Film Institute as audio portals to the Battle of Britain, the Summit of Everest and beyond. Two years later, the race for space used similar methods to law. Oh, how do you say that word? Lord. Is it Lord? Yeah, I go Lord. L A U D. I was doing really well until that point. Yeah, you were. It was really slick. Okay. Let's go Lord. Don't know what it means. The superpowers, (laughs) rivalry, and heroism in orbit and on the moon. I think you should take over. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I should, to be honest. In 2017, Joined by voices including Manic Street Preachers James Dean Bradfield, Every Valley was a moving exploration of community and memory via the rise and fall of the British coal industry. Pointedly topical in its analysis, it reached number four on the UK charts. Well, Jay Wilgoose, he kind of got a uh, sort of a calling from from somewhere in his mind to go to Berlin, mm. didn't he? And, yes, uh, he did. Following the footsteps of his musical heroes, people like Bowie, you too, he was referencing. They yeah, he mentioned you too. He went over to Hansa Studios, which is world famous, is where uh, Bowie did Heroes mm. and uh, Low, lots of those albums. And he wrote the album there, demoed it, lived there with, with his wife, and then came back over just before the lockdown all happened, but yeah. managed to go back last autumn and record it with, with the band and with lots of local musicians and collaborated with lots of brilliant vocalists yeah. and, and actors and all that kind of thing. 
If you haven't heard this record already, go and listen to it. It's awesome. Yeah. And like the more I listen to it, the more I love it. It's so, so good, isn't it? Yeah. I would actually say stop listening to this now and go and listen to the record. Then come back. um, And then come back. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Come back, back, please. (laughs) Um, Their music, I guess, in the past has been characterized by lots of vocal samples, lots of old clips from BFI and NASA or, or old propaganda films the BBC, lots of that and radio and that kind of thing, but set to music, kind of Krautrock-inspired stuff, stuff like Noi and Can. But this is a bit different, actually, this record. There are lots of samples, but it's less vocal samples. There's lots of sort of found sounds from around Berlin, electric sounds, the sound of of light in its very various forms. It's very evocative of the city, isn't it? It really really does transport you to Berlin. And I blinking love Berlin, so it was... You know, ideal for me. <laughs> I'll um, I'll just skip to the bottom of their biography. Oh, a do, very pro-European record, Bright Magic, is ultimately not just about one city, but all centres of human interaction and community, which allow the free exchange and cross-pollination of ideas. That's a lovely summing up, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were so grateful for him to give up some time. We went round to his house. Yeah, and we chatted in his very nice studio, full of electronic equipment. Yeah, were you a bit terrified? Since. I was really terrified. I had a hot There's drink, and so I was near a lot, stuff. <laughs> a lot of expensive stuff. So much stuff in there: guitars, <gasps> synths. Just I don't know what any of that stuff is. No, just computery no. stuff. It's very impressive. There was, yeah, there was all kinds of new. He just got some new toys turned up. New sort of slide activated oh, expression things. slider thing yeah. that's it <laughs> uh, thankfully well, he didn't quiz us on that otherwise i would have fallen very short <laughs> no uh so we talk about uh well making the record really we mainly yeah. focus around bright magic we could have talked for ages mm. i mean they've had such a, a great career um I, I i i should say i do play with the band uh quite a lot and there's been some did you do a prom with them yeah, yeah, we did one so. in 2019. It was an orchestrated version of the Race for Space. And we did we talked to Johnny Abraham. That's right. Uh, on our podcast, who is J.F. Abraham in public service broadcasting. That's his kind yep. of alter ego. <laughs> and J.F. Abraham, he orchestrated that. Um, so go back and listen to that if you like. We, uh, we talked uh, at length about all that. But that, that was one of the one of the one of the great gigs in my in my life. That one oh, that was really cool. That really album great. is brilliant as well. So after you've yeah, listened yeah. to Bright Magic, then yeah. come back to us. Then after that, go and listen to that one. It's really good. Yeah, and then listen to Every Valley, which is all about yeah. the Welsh mining industry. Yeah. And uh, why not listen to Inform, Educate and Entertain while you're at it? Well, yeah, you might as well. You're on a roll. We also talked about his solo project, which he did in the lockdown, oh, yes. with Late Night Final, which is named after one of public service broadcasting songs. But it was uh, a project which he did when he, he basically didn't have access to any of his usual equipment. So he just had loads of synth hardware stuff. And um, they're really good. I check those, check those out on uh, Spotify. Or Add that to the list. buy them somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I should just say that I... You know, I've just I've just got over COVID, and I yeah. think I've also had a cold as well, which kind of come together to form this like mega illness. So <sighs> you can hear it in my voice now; it's not right; it's not still not quite back to normal. But I managed the first day. I managed to get to like a whole hour without coughing. No, I I did cough. There is you can hear some coughing, but I, d- apologies I didn't for notice that. it. I think you did an admirable job of holding it together. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I also feel like listening back to myself, I sound like a bit medicated. I think um, (laughs) I I had a bit of paracetamol. That's all I had. Just that? Yeah, I think so. I think that was all all I had. So (laughs) I sound a bit slower and quieter than usual, but I was was enjoying it. I was having a good good time. Anyway, um, (laughs) should we go and listen to the chat? I think we should. I think we should. Before we get to the chat, I do want to say something. (gasps) What? Stay tuned to the end because we have a competition. Yes, we do. No details yet. You'll find out at the end. But okay. it's to do with this album. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, in the meantime, here is our chat with Jay Wilgoose Esquire. <laughs> 
Well, thanks for coming on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're absolutely delighted to have you. Um, I, I think I was waiting. I wanted to have you on, obviously, from early on, but I wanted obviously. to make sure I knew what I was doing <laughs> with all this equipment because it's kind of intimidating. Yeah. Coming yeah. to a room like this, I mean, this is by far the most technical, uh, so much gear in this place, in this studio. It's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, I mean, how long has this been developing? Um, your problem with no <laughs> 14 years 15 years you know i mean yeah. a, lo- a long a lot of, a long time some of the gear in this in this room yeah i've been hoarding since sort of 2005ish i think that was when i start that's when i started seriously you know starting to try and record my own stuff as well as just playing stuff um one of the guitars is quite old oh it's that one it's the jaguar in the corner that's yeah that's 98 i think nice but then obviously there's a few more additions yeah. <laughs> i'm gesturing at a a modest sized rack of guitars but yeah what's yeah. the latest edition uh the one nearest seb actually oh yeah this um this seb, f- fidelity out. one fidelity guitars yeah. yeah seb's body language he's just got suddenly a lot tighter <laughs> <laughs> i told us for this cup of tea on this lovely guitar oh, um, fantastic. It's, it's wiped clean i'm sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've, you've got a some kind of uh, endorsement deal with these guys well yeah matt matt just emailed matt Oram, who runs fidelity guitars uh emailed me and just said uh endorsement slash free guitar and said do you want a free guitar and i said um well yeah obviously of course <laughs> yeah you know obviously had a look at what he was what he was making and and kind of things he's into the the first one is is the black one that's two away from you that was the one that he um oh, yeah, yeah. he built first and then i ordered this one i thought i was being sort of you know very um benevolent during the pandemic i thought i'll support uk-based manufacturers you know i need i need a guitar because all mine are in germany um so i'll order one from matt and he was like i've never been busier <laughs> so he did, did, did not need my business <laughs> yeah the the lockdown guitar beginners or well they oh, wouldn't yes. be though would, would it have been beginners going for those but i mean everyone probably turned their hand to a yeah. instrument I won't, I won't say it was him he who said it because they might be indiscreet but i've heard that i've heard the phrase sort of lockdown bankers well board bankers with lots of money you want to learn yeah. how to play guitar. That's <laughs> that's what he. Yeah, I can imagine that. I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, was guitar your your first instrument? Um, do you count the recorder? Uh, I guess <laughs> we do. I'm afraid we have to. Don't <laughs> we? <laughs> discrimination yeah I did, uh, I did I went up to grade 5 on desk and recorder who does that did you, did you? Oh, well, who serious. does that my god you must um, have been doing sky boat song by that stage it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, it stood me in good stead in later years for trying to do the, the penny whistle solo from call me Al, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah grade 5 is as far as you can go as well they don't go any higher than really? that really just... like you've completed desk and recorder <laughs> Um, so yeah but then I kind of just fell away really I wanted to kind of do my own stuff at school and not you know not have to be kind of be doing fusty fusty stuff and um, they weren't they weren't really a big fan of that so I just I just noodled away on the keyboard for a few years and then then found the guitar yeah when I was about 14 I think 13, 14 you didn't do like a music college thing did you? nothing musical no I I did I did go to sort of I did kind of a very flimsy diploma in audio engineering which is basically worthless but um yeah, so I sort of learned the, the technical stuff officially, but um, the musical stuff, no. Um, not that you could guess from listening to our, <laughs> our efforts. Oh, <laughs> Plinky plonky. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's doing quite well. Yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not complaining, but yeah. Don't be so down on yourself. You're currently number two in the charts with your album. Yes, let's hold on to that. That is really yep. good. That is so good. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean... How many caveats do you want me to offer? None, absolutely not. How none. much? Yeah, I mean, how much do you pay attention to that? Is it something um, interesting? Well, I get you know, it's interesting and and it, it's nice to get number two. You know, I don't, I don't want to ever want to get to the point of you know attaching any kind of real self worth to it because that way trouble lies. I think, but mm. yeah, it's, it's it's lovely. Of course, it's like a you know, it's a it feels like a kind of you know an achievement of sorts and and you know more practically in terms of in the industry for sort of for bookings for festivals for you know to be able to still be saying you know they've just had their first top three record or you know this is their highest charting album or stuff like that is all very helpful because yeah it just lets people know that you you're on the way up even yeah even you might it depends what week you're releasing (laughs) 
yeah, it's just it's all helpful stuff in terms of being able to be, you know, in a strong position, I suppose. And I think it's it's quite an unusual record. I mean, like, like a lot of your things, it's got always like a high concept, and to get to that that number in the chart, I think that's quite it's quite an achievement. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's an odd one, isn't it? Um, you know, there's no there's no real way around it. It's not it's not like a mainstream normal sort of top five record, is it? Um, so yeah, I just I think it just kind of shows the the strength of the independent music sort of scene in, in the UK, really, that there are that many people and that you can actually reach them um, and still sell sells you know the sort of numbers of records you need to to get up that high uh, in the UK. It's it's kind of yeah, I, I I don't really take any of that on us as our credit it's more just you know having having six music having a lot of passionate music fans having this sort of independent record shops who really get behind stuff like this it's it's all stuff like that that kind of helps to give you that level of exposure because where we where we don't have that i.e everywhere else we get we get, <laughs> we get next to nowhere so, yeah. yeah i think that's very heartening isn't yeah. it and for something that's a real album it's not yes it's not just some singles and there's some album tracks it's, it's a real it's a real arc to it. There's, I mean, there's there's like three parts to the album. It's like a real. I don't mm. know. It was just. It's not really a, a, a sort of abstract story or, or a, a, a collage of, of yeah. painting somewhere. Yeah, it's 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 it is a kind of. Um, it's not quite sort of narratively straightforward as the previous two records. I don't think which were the Race of Space was sort of 2015, and that was, you know. Um, there were sort of interesting ways within that of tackling the material and trying to look at it relatively freshly, but you know it's still fairly well well known stuff, and you know it's easy to kind of thread your path, thread your way through that record. And, and the same with Every Valley, I think it's it's relatively easy to kind of trace where we're going and why. But with this one, you are you are slightly left more to your own devices, I think, which um, which is just kind of us trusting our our listeners and our audience that you know they have the. Uh, curiosity and intelligence to sort of to follow that. Yeah, um, yeah quite right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they do. Um, yeah, some of them clearly. You know, you're not going to convince everybody with every record. So some you'll lose a few people and gain a few people. But mm. it feels like um, yeah, we got very lucky with our with our fan base. They're very indulging, definitely. I listened to Blue Heaven independently as a single first of all and absolutely loved it. But then listened to it within the album and it just brought out such a different feel I, I think it's fantastic and I love it even more now from hearing oh, it wow. within the context of the album it's sort of it's just I love it what well, I'd love you to talk us through the the album not yet yeah, bit by bit but, <laughs> but yeah. it comes in the second section doesn't it and it really feels like a very vibrant kind of I know you were you were talking about thinking in colors but you could it's, yeah. it's quite a bright sounding yeah I mean it's, it sounds kind of well it's just no surprise a track called blue heaven sounds sounds blue to me <laughs> um, not, not in a kind of you know traditional sort of melancholy sort of way of blue i think you know feeling blue or whatever it's it's just yeah it feels kind of if it, it's definitely the kind of the most naturally sort of up slash euphoric moment on the record i think yeah um yeah the the record is is, is structured in sort of three parts ish which which is all based around me sort of trying to work out why I got the idea to move to Berlin and why I'd got it in my head that that was a good thing to do, to move there, you know, for a bit and write a record. Um, and so I started kind of trying to unpick where that motivation came from for me and also for other people. So the first part of the record is kind of dealing with how how the city was built and some of the ways it kind of started to establish its myths, I suppose, and some of the things it was famous for as a city. Um, and then the second part of the record deals with some of the more famous kind of cultural aspects of it I suppose from the nightlife through to some of the figures like Dietrich and Bowie and uh, the dancer Anita Berber mm-hmm. and then that's kind of laying the groundwork for things that drew me there and also have drawn other people there in the past and then once you get to that point um, you kind of you take a sort of more abstract leap into the sort of into the unknown which which a lot of people have done when they kind of gone to Berlin they've used it as a source of significant kind of reinvention and and as an excuse to go a bit kind of you know um yeah go a bit off, <laughs> off the rails musically i suppose so it, it was it was our attempt to kind of do that that thing for us musically as well just to kind of you know basically for side b just ditch pretty much all the samples uh i don't think there's any english on side b i think it's the only words there are a german mm. bit of german poetry to close things off yeah so it's um yeah it was it was an attempt to kind of you know harness the power of the city as a force of creativity and reinvention and and you know kind of try and get get on board with that and you know, see how it could work for us. Yeah. It's amazing how, I, I mean, I've listened to you on your podcast, uh, I listened to you this morning, and 
and I replayed the Tim's Twitter listening party oh, yeah. as well. It was really, really useful to get really under the, the hood of it. Mm. And um, interesting about you, you had the title Bright Magic before you really knew what, what you were going to do with it. You just knew yeah. it was a very evocative phrase. Um, maybe just talk briefly about about that. Yeah, well, it, it's funny how titles kind of find you or, or how things just get into your head. I mean, I was reading Berlin Alexanderplatz by Alfred Doblin, who's um, a very, you know, that's pretty much the sort of Berlin novel, I think. Um, and I was I was reading that and, you know, just sort of casting my eye over his other works and saw that he had recently had a translation uh, released in America uh, called Bright Magic and Other Short Stories. And the story itself has absolutely nothing to do with the record. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the, the title just kind of, just jumped out at me. Um, What's the I, story about? Or dare I, think it's I about, ask? Do you know? I read it so long ago, I can't remember. It's it's, it's kind of like a slightly sort of Kafka esque story, I think, yeah. about a false identity or something. I, mean, I might be talking absolute nonsense there. <laughs> I might be thinking of the Nabokov thing I read as well. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it's got nothing to do with with um, with the record, but the title just kind of jumped in my head and, and wouldn't it wouldn't leave. Um, and I kind of figure when that happens you just kind of need to pay attention to it really and just you know keep your keep your antenna up and so so I did and you know I was, I was still thinking then wandering around Berlin in sort of late 2018 early early 2019 in the process of finding a studio finding somewhere to live for a bit and all that you know I was still going to places like the Stasi Museum and thinking like oh you know this is interesting I bet there's loads you know we could do cool stuff with this that'd be you know that's a really fascinating topic and then and then just in the back of my head, just bright magic kept like, you know, sort of like tapping away on my shoulder and just going like, how does that work? Like, <laughs> how does that tie in to, um, you know, how are you going to get these things on a record that's called this? And I was like, hang on a minute, I haven't even decided it's called that yet. But <laughs> some, something in my head had decided that. And yeah, and then, then the record, you know, became much more about, you know, or the kind of things I've, I've sort of spoken about already, but sort of illumination as well. You know, the, the title suggests light, doesn't it? Um, mm. And it suggests... It suggests a bit of a trick, doesn't it? It suggests a bit of illusion um, and a bit of myth, which when you're talking about people like Dietrich and Bowie and um, the way that people have kind of used Berlin to tell their stories uh, and embellish them <laughs> in many ways, you know, yeah. I, I really liked I really liked the aspect of it. It's just kind of it worked on on all the levels for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then the idea of um, in Blue Heaven, am I the moth or the flame? Yeah. And that is that something that Marlene Dietrich said. At one point? She sang it in von Kopfbissfuss, which is for, in German. That's from head to toe. She sings it on stage in the Blue Angel. And I, I can never remember the English translation. It's is it falling in love again? I think. Right. And it's 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 men men flock around me like moths to a flame. Something something something. Am I to blame? You know. It's, yeah. it's, she's sort of saying that you know she's she's this figure that men gather around in 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 the film. That is what happens. And and this this guy is kind of drawn to her and you know self-destructs as a result basically um he's a sort of respected professor i think until he until he sort of falls under her spell and then joins the traveling circus and ends up you know ruining his life um yeah so that that kind of idea of you know the moth and the flame and, and in blue heaven it doesn't just apply to dietrich who that song is nominally about but it kind of applies to applies to the city you know drawing people in and and um you know it can be quite a dangerous city i think if if you are uh, a bit impulsive maybe and not the most in control of your you know habits and consumptions so um mm. yeah it kind of again it's it's working on a couple of levels there i think yeah so how was that for you then going because i guess we've all got preconceived ideas i was saying to seb before we came like whenever i'm having a really bad week and i'm thinking i'm just feeling uncreative i feel like there's more that i could be doing <laughs> i always think god i could go to berlin have you, I should go out there. I, can, I love it. Yeah, yes, I love it. I, but yeah. I think I could go, go there. Yeah. Take the family. Go. And so so I've got all these preconceived ideas about how it would be to go and live out there and meeting all these creatives and just kind of mm -hmm. living this cool lifestyle. How was it for you? <laughs> well, it, yeah, it was, it was by turns, it was, it was cool and it was interesting and it was, you know, it, there, was, there was an energy, but at the same time, you know, moving anywhere and starting even only for a short time, but starting kind of like a new life in it, you know, a new career in a new town as Bowie might have it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit lonely and, and you're also, you're kind of, you are struck occasionally in those lower moments by thinking like, what am I, what am I doing? I quite like living in London and being, having friends around and, you know, being their family and, 
you know, being able to understand what everyone's saying on the street. You know, my German wasn't bad, but it wasn't good enough to to not feel a bit isolated at times. And and just thinking, yeah, why why have I put myself in this position? This is really not a great idea. Um, so yeah, in, in the lower moments, feeling a bit like that, but um, just kind of sort of muddling on through, really, and just getting my head down and trying to write. But I think I think if I'd had less of a time pressure, um, you know, and, and a bit more kind of. I don't know if I was in a more successful band, maybe and had more of a kind of a cushion in terms of, you know, feeling secure in the knowledge that we could go away for several years and still come back and still have an audience and that that kind of thing. I might have just been able to be there a bit longer and relax into a bit more and enjoy it a bit more. But mm. I was kind of like, right, I'm here for eight or nine months. I need to write a record. Um, right. That, that needs to happen. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, you know, the wheels start to come off. So, yeah. Yeah. Those, that was my thoughts anyway. Were you, that was before you had your daughter. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so we moved out there in sort of May 2019. And then within a couple of weeks, my wife was waving a pregnancy test at me going, mm. oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay, that, that's going to change our experience over here a little bit, I think. Um, so yeah, she spent the next sort of three months, which was most of her time there before she moved back to work in London. Um, she spent most of that sort of, you know, really knackered. Um, she she puked in a bin in the park, but not because she'd been out the night before, or, or you know earlier that morning, or whenever. Yeah, so she had she had a bit of a different experience to what she was expecting, I think. But um, oh. yeah, so we came back in January 2020 to have our child, and all went well. But we were supposed to go back out there to finish the record in May and June, and just you know enjoy being in Berlin, you know, with a, with a young child, and just you know it's a great place to be. So we were going to do that, and then move back for good. But obviously. Um. Yeah. 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 That yeah. thing. <laughs> that thing that gets in the way of everything. Yeah. 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 At what sort of stage was it that you came up with the idea of this three-part album? Um, did it? Was it something you saw before you were writing, or had you? Did it come much later on in the process? No, I think it came from all the reading that I was doing beforehand. So it came yeah. from, you know, working out the sort of topics I wanted to cover, how how I thought I was going to do that musically, how I thought it was going to take shape and and kind of this the structure of it almost as if you were planning like the plot of a novel or something or or you know a screenplay just kind of suggested itself um and yeah I, i've kind of talked about it a couple of times in, in in other places but it for me it takes a bit of inspiration from something like 2001 in terms of being um not really yeah it's kind of three distinct blocks that are kind of tied together by one particular idea yeah which is berlin but they're not they're not kind of they don't follow on from each other in a way that a conventional narrative story would. So, um, yeah, I think I was just really trying to take a leaf out of Kubrick's book and just, um, yeah, yeah, just following following that kind of structure. I, I love that film so much, but I also just love, you know, the actual the nuts and bolts of it as much as the actual the film. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 watched a bit earlier because we were talking about the, you mentioned about the. The sort of the sonic version of the, a match cut you, you did sort of yeah. early on, and Verity hadn't, hadn't hadn't seen it before. No, I'm really sorry. You haven't seen 2001. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm only I'm half a human to be honest. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I my wife hadn't seen it, and you know, I, so I sat her down in a very didactic way and said, like, you must watch this, and <laughs> she could not get on board with it at all. So <laughs> it's definitely it's not for everyone, and you know. Um, oh, I'll yeah. give it a go for sure. Yeah. Um, at the moment, yeah. I feel like those apes at the beginning, like not formed. <laughs> it's very <laughs> sad. Yeah. Bashing yourself over the head with a phone. Constantly. Yeah. I mean, that is my life. Yeah. <laughs> Another influence, would that be Metropolis, the movie? Yeah. I mean, I think I would have to be honest and say more production design-wise um, than the film itself. I mean, I, yeah. It, it's obviously... It's a beautiful, amazing film. Looks fantastic yeah. throughout, but I, I did struggle a bit with it. Right. It's a, it's a bit of a tough watch, especially the kind of the fully unearthed sort of two and a half hour long. It might even be longer right, than that. I don't know if I've seen that. that it's pretty. I mean, the story's just daft. Yeah. Not that that has hindered many other films. <laughs> had extremely <laughs> daft stories, but and 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 there's, there's a lot of overacting going on, you know, because <laughs> it's it's from that era of. You know, there's no dialogue, so you had kind of had to overact. But yeah, I, I didn't find myself gripped by the story of it, but certainly the look of it, the feel of it, the kind of the ideas behind it, and and also as as with a lot of the kraut rock that I've kind of gone back to and, and love, but I kind of was listening to echoes of that further down the line. So bands who'd kind of you know who'd taken those influences as formative ones, and then 
you know, I'm listening to them reinterpreting Neu and Can and Harmonia and Kraftwerk and all that. Mm. Um, I think it's the same with science fiction and the films that I loved, like like Blade Runner, which would be one of my favourites ever, you know, taking so much from Metropolis, um, taking so many cues from it. And and so I'm kind of getting it secondhand um, and these kind of echoes through time. So we're kind of echoing the echoes in the way that we've reinterpreted some of that and, and woven it through our work, I think. Yeah, I mean, Blade Runner, you, you can you can definitely hear the the influence of the Vangelis. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the synth. I, got, I did get a new toy for the record. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like the modern modern reinterpretation of of the CS eighty, which is the Yamaha, is a beast of a synth. I mean, we're we're quite tightly packed in here, but if there was a CS eighty in here with us, I don't think would really there wouldn't be much room for us. It's it's, it kind of comes out about here. I mean, holding my arms quite wide. Um, yeah. And it takes about four people to move it, and it weighs about oh, God knows, wow. like a hundred kilos or something. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's a beast of a machine. But um, thankfully, the Decker's Dream, which is the modern one, is is not <laughs> weighs next to nothing and sounds fantastic. So yeah, that's probably the the defining major sonic characteristic of the record. I think is is that one synth which is used on every single track on the album. Is it so? Yeah. Is that the Decker's Dream? Yeah, so it's named after the character from Rick Deckard. Yeah, from yeah. Blade Runner. So they they know what they're doing, you know. Yeah. They're tapping into that very cleverly. Course, that's amazing. But I just as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't even lie to myself. Sometimes when I'm looking at whether I'm gonna buy something, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just wait a few months. But with this one, I, I texted James R. Sam and I was like, I'm gonna get this. Like, let's not <laughs> pretend that I'm gonna think about it for a while yeah. and then like, you know, like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get one. So I did. <laughs> I guess the sort of backbone of the whole record is synths, really. Um, would you say? I mean, there's, yeah. there's piano and, and there's some and there's yeah. drums, obviously, but some ham-fisted piano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's lovely, really like, nice, yeah. very evocative stuff. Yeah, but I mean, was that always going to be the the kind of the colours and the sounds would be based around the synth rather than more? overtly like strings or brass like like you've used in the past yeah i think so i think i think sadly you know we've you know we've recorded together in the past and i think did you say sadly we've recorded <laughs> no, together in the past no, there was a comma <laughs> there was, no there was a hyphen actually sadly yeah. hyphen we've recorded together in the past the hyphen, hyphen. <laughs> but this time i knew from the off that brass wasn't really going to be in it um mm. and i did i did originally have a very orchestral version of the first track as a kind of you know as a sort of more of a Again, a sort of two thousand and one esque kind of like fanfare, but um, after some gentle prodding from JF Abraham and, and also Alex Silver, who's kind of executive producer on the record and was a big help, um, just thought it doesn't it doesn't tie in, it doesn't work. I don't know why that's it needs to be more in keeping with the rest of the record. So that that changed a lot. Um, and in the end, yeah, we just went with very kind of for the for the most part quite sort of synthetic textures, really. And and I think part of that was because in my head it was. It was about artificial light and it was about darkness and it was about kind of night time and it was about, um, you know, it was, it was kind of like rainfall on a city street at night type, mm-hmm. you know, atmosphere. And so those are the sounds that just sort of suggested themselves in my head. Um, and certainly the sounds that came out once I started trying to write it, definitely. But, I mean, there are, there's a clarinet ensemble in there. Yeah. Saxophones and actually, and there is trumpet on there. There is, yeah, I don't think there's any straight up trumpet. I think it's all kind of affected or pitched right. down yeah, or, yeah. 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 So, it, yeah, Jeff Abraham did play some trumpet. I think I just mangled it and moved it around a bit. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, there's, there's, you know, the track where it's most prominent is is Give Me Das Licht, which is Give Me The Light. And uh, Ritipo plays, you know, beautiful Barry Sax solo on that and also orchestrated a lot of clarinets. Um, so we had... It's stunning that yeah. saxo is gorgeous. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It's really it's a lovely sound. Um and yeah, um we had eight very kind of distinguished Berliner clarinetists come the clarinetist, is that the word? Yeah. 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 Okay. I bet they were efficient, weren't they? I'd like to think they, they were. They were. Yeah. yeah. They I was a bit worried they might be we have recorded with some classical people in the past, obviously. Not when we sadly worked with you, so. <laughs> <laughs> Dark day. but some of them, <laughs> some of them really do not migrate between the worlds very well to the point where they don't play in tune together. And I, mm. I'm just sat there thinking, like, how how does that happen? Yeah. How can you well. be years and years practice playing an instrument, and you know, just five, five, six, seven, eight, ten, however many of you in a room, and, and it sounds rubbish. It sounds, you know, it doesn't yeah. just sound bad. It sounds like you can't play. I mean. I, this, that can't be the case. I, I don't understand why that happens. But I had concerns that they might be sort of from that more inflexible world of, of classical thinking and, 
and not really get it, but they kind of came in sort of with a bit of a one eyebrow raised kind of like, <laughs> hmm, what's all this about then type, <laughs> okay. type attitude. Um, but they, they nailed it and they really, they felt it more than anything, which was, which was really important for that track, I think. Um, and it came out in their playing, which was fantastic, I think, especially the, bla- the bass clarinets. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really love the sound of that track. I, d- I, I feel like I had nothing to do with that, that song. <laughs> it's a, such a weird feeling. Like, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, it's, weird, it's a really odd feeling, but <laughs> I do like it. Yeah, I love the build towards the end of the track. It, mm. it, re- it reminds me of um, You and Me, that the, well, the way the, yeah. the code of it, where it just... Out of it's like going up to heaven or something. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's mm. yeah. I mean, and it's it's obviously helped. Both of those are really helped by the vocal performances, um, and just you know everything kind of opening up a bit. But uh, yeah, I, I just listened to the, the sort of the. It just sounds so grown up, and it just sounds like something that I, I, I don't, I don't understand where that came from, and it, it feels like I had no involvement in it. It's very yes, yeah, just a very odd sensation. It's just like this thing fully formed comes out, and you're like, well, that sounds great. I don't really get it. <laughs> uh, but I'll take it. <laughs> Definitely take it. Yeah. And uh, going to Hansa as well, I mean, mm. was that a big, important part of this whole process, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to record there because of those who'd gone before and, and because, you know, part of the record is about what has what brings people to the city, what's brought other people to the city, what's bringing me there. You know, that studio is kind of like, I don't know, it's like, it's like church or something. It's like a spiritual experience and some of my very favourite moments in music were kind of conceived and or recorded there so um it felt like a pilgrimage that needed to be kind of you know undertaken but then then I got lucky enough to actually hire a room there to write in as well so that's where I was for eight eight or nine months you know working there day in day out and it's definitely a good place to go if you want to experience imposter syndrome on a daily basis (laughs) (laughs) it was it it took a little bit time to get used to but um yeah it was this is great privilege really you know how often do you get to to do that yeah yeah that's totally do right. they have instruments there you can use the piano is the, it's a kind of it's a funny arrangement because the big hall that everyone knows when you say hansa you know you think of that hall that bowie did heroes in um that you see you two playing in when when their acting baby documentary comes out um yeah that's not really a, a studio anymore you can plug into it from other control rooms like you used to be able to but it's mostly hired out for corporate events and stuff so what you've got is this this beautiful ballroom, but then kind of a hub of other studios around it. So for recording in the Meisterzaal, which is the big hall, we kind of, we rented the studio on the ground floor, which is like a classical specialist. Um, and we borrowed one of their grand pianos, which was heaved upstairs by some burly Russians, I think. Yeah, so we, we kind of plugged into their system, recorded that there, but we also recorded in my room, which is on the third floor. We recorded in the studios proper, which is up on the fourth floor at the top of the building. Um, and we also did a bit of work in Alex Silver Studios on the second floor, I think. So we're kind of dotted around all over the building and people are kind of coming and going and you don't really know what's behind some doors. You're like, what's down that corridor, you know? Yeah. Um, turns out there was a kitchen near me that I had no idea was there for, oh, <laughs> for damn nine it. months. Oh. <laughs> but I had my own little kettle in the sink, <laughs> so I was good. all right. But, yeah, but just never, I just thought I wasn't allowed down there, but it turns out it was a shared kitchen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So now you're going to be taking it off on tour, the album, touring it, in through the yep. end of this year into next year, is that right, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, as long as we can get away with it, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it starts in about, we're, we're in early October now, it starts in about three weeks. For us. Oh, that's so yeah. exciting. And with visuals obviously being so integral to, mm. to all your work, but I know, like, talking about colours, but also I've watched the videos that accompany a couple of your songs from the album. Um, how is that all going to pan out with the shows you're doing? Are you Is it going to be an interpretation of those kind of colours that you're seeing? Or Yeah, I think from a lighting design perspective, that kind of thing is going to be, you know, woven through the show. And, and because it's more abstract, I think there'll be less of a reliance on kind of, you know, four by three archive footage kind of, you know, quite conventionally presented. I think I think we're going to try and present it in a bit more of an interesting format. Um, and, and in doing so, kind of try and echo some of the structures in Berlin that we were kind of drawn to. Um, I do need to kind of stick a few photos of that online so people know what they're looking at before they come to a show (laughs) it kind of needs to be able to do that so it needs to be able to work in the more sort of abstract world of the new record but also still function for songs like go and spitfire and and everest where it is more kind of you know there's a film that we've edited to the song and that's what we're going to do so it needs to kind of move between those worlds with 
grace and style. Yeah. Well, quite. Um, whether yeah. it will or not, <laughs> who knows? Have you worked out how to play this music yet? No. No. I'm doing <laughs> Imlicht at the moment. Uh, and yeah, I'm recreating all the synth sounds on this, this workstation synth that, is, oh, that we're looking at here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of a beast. Um, and I think I think I've got five songs ready, maybe six off the new record. I want to get up to nine, so I've got a week and a half to get the others up to speed. And um, yeah, it's a little bit daunting, but so, you know. I, I mean, how, how do you do that? Do you, do you do you sort of make samples from from the yeah. tracks and put them on keys and things? Or? Some of them, yeah. I mean, this, this synth is is the sort of the modern Roland. Um, workstation so it's got really good emulations definitely like serviceable for live 100% you know nobody's going to know the difference between that and a Juno um, so I can recreate all the sort of the stuff that's on a Juno for the record just within it you know and kind of not have to sample stuff which gives you more flexibility but there's a couple of synths like well the Decker stream I don't want to take it on tour because it's I don't know how well it's going to behave so um, I am just sampling you know notes across that and then recreating it on the keyboard and yeah, just trying to kind of mirror what was on the record, but be able to improvise and, you know, play around it and give yourself a bit of flexibility to have a bit of fun with it and to be able to make quite obvious mistakes, which is going to happen as well. Yeah, so... Um, That's part of the joy of life performance, isn't well, it? exactly, yeah. That's what yeah. I've been telling myself for years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that... And, and then, you know, there also there's a lot of kind of routing of MIDI and a lot of, you know, filters opening and closing here, there and everywhere and just... This bit loops here and me going to the others like, okay, you play that for four bars, that's going to go round and round, so don't muck it up. You do this for two <laughs> bars there and then that, add this for two bars and then go back to that and here's this gong at the end of the song, you know, hit that then and and they're all just politely nodding and going like, God, can't you just leave it all on track? <laughs> yeah. So, you, I mean, you, I guess you, you avoid having any track at all. There's, there is track. Um, I, you know, I think we'd need another three or four musicians to, to not have any... Um, which would be great, um, but we're not at that level yet, sadly. So yeah, we, can, we can only dream. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff that's not, you know, all, all the main melody lines, somebody needs to be playing them. I think. I think it's a bit of a cop out yeah. to have to have main melody lines just just coming out of off off track. But if it's if it's stuff like Inga Garen, the acoustic guitars, adding a bit of rhythm and a bit of movement, like, I'm yeah yeah. That's, that's going acoustic track. guitar though. Yeah, actually, it that. makes a really weird difference. Again, if you take it out, yeah, yeah. the whole thing kind of um, the life, the life of it kind of drops out. It's really weird. The acoustics make a lot of difference. The kind of the energy and the kind of mm. the, the movement of it. I think I'd, I'd recorded that song after being obsessed with Doobie Brothers' "Long Train Running" and, and listening to the just uh, not just the kind of the main guitars there, but it's just like a masterclass in guitar arranging that song and how to get that kind of. Yeah, that's, that song just sounds so alive, doesn't it? But a lot of that, I think, is because of the acoustic elements as well as the electric ones they used. So I was trying to do that with Gagarin. Yeah. yeah. And stuff like, if there's a tambourine in the background, who cares? You know, yeah. We'll play it if we can, but it's not, come on. It sounds good, so we'll Look, leave it in. if but... you want somebody to come and have a go at the tambourine, <laughs> I'm Well, Jeff Abraham does have, you know, he's got that Oh, market. he's to dance yeah. like better than I am at yeah. well, <laughs> any kind of percussive. You know, how hard is it to play a tambourine? Well, quite. <laughs> <laughs> and how about with the, you've got some incredible vocalists on the album. Um, will, how will that work when you're on tour? Have you got any of them? Oh, they're on tape. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't care about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. um, no we're, um, we're, we're taking a singer. Um, Annalena is coming with us, we hope. So oh, she'll great. be singing her tracks and... You know, she'll sing Blue Heaven and she'll sing Progress and she'll sing Valentina and they gave me a lamp, you know, all the ones yeah. that we... So she she can do all that and she's going to cover a lot of the key stuff as well. So that's an extra pair of hands, which is great. Um, and it's, you know, it's an, it's taking the show on another level from where it's been in the past. Yeah. So we're all, we're all quite excited about that, I think, including her, hopefully. Um, yeah. Is she Berlin-based usually? Yeah, she lives over there, yeah. God, that's going to be really exciting when you go back over to Germany to play yeah. those shows out there. Ho yeah. ho. That'll be... Um, very emotional, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great. Yeah, I bet it will. Taking a whole kind of different life, I imagine. From Yeah. Um yeah, I think just being back there is just, you know, yeah. It'll be it will it'll be quite bittersweet, I think. Um yeah. that's kind of how yeah. Yeah, I kind of imagine it'll be like going back to university town, you know, you just become like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and all these kind of things that you forget, you know, kind of yeah, all the sounds and sort of smells that are that are different there than they are here. Yeah. 
They'll, um, Where yeah, is your university about. town? Nottingham. Oh, is it? Mm. Oh, Oceana mm. Nightclub, Nottingham. That's my point of reference there. But you must be younger than me then because it was Ocean when I was there. Well, oh. no, you see... Oh, hang on, no, that was the, pa- the Palais turned into Oceana, didn't it? I think the reason I know it is because they used to... I've probably talked about it on here before, actually. But um, they used to send us as a very classical string trio to go and play in Oceana nightclubs around the country. Yeah, to to basically relax the clubbers as they're coming in so they stop... Like bottling each other or whatever. Oh, what? So, so you're not playing with PA? You're just in the foyer. Or something? No, it was horrendous. We were basically <laughs> lambs. Stations. Yeah, just yeah. Calm down, people. Well, we were like lambs to the slaughter. Yeah. It's like three fully concert dressed musicians with a bunch of pissed up clubbers. <laughs> Hellish. Anyway, that's Nottingham for me. But did you have a God. lovely time there? Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, I did. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, a long time ago now. <laughs> like a really depressingly long time ago. God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, what were you doing there? Was that English? Know? English. Oh. Mm. oh. Yeah. Is that why you read so many books? <laughs> <laughs> I don't at the moment. I had a really good start to the year. I was like, this is the this is it. I'm back on absolute top form, absolutely motoring. And then had to finish the record and just fell off a cliff. Like Yeah, impossible. Really. Um, yeah. Um and it's it's weird how, you know, having done an English degree took me it did take me a few years to get back the joy of just reading you know because you, you just read you have to read all the time even if you don't read all the books which obviously i didn't mm. um you know you, you're still it, it's quite it's quite a lot of work reading you know for, for an english degree yeah i mean it's, it's kind of, it starts to feel the same when you're making a record when you finished a record you know you feel like oh i should listen to all these albums i've not been listening to because i haven't had time and then you just i just don't have the energy for them still like i need to kind of build it back up um it's it's really strange how when you get that involved in something you you just it's like everything else kind of goes goes by the wayside and you become really myopic and really like mm. you know you have got such a sort of tunnel vision um, approach to everything it's it's a little bit alarming I think. <laughs> yeah but uh, what was interesting was that you you had that you did a side project didn't you like last year yeah um, where. I guess because you couldn't, you couldn't work on this album at all. Really, you didn't have access to the instruments. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and we're talking about it with with our managers, and and one of our managers just said, just put it on the shelf, just you know, leave it for leave it until you can do it. You know, we were talking like, should we try and record it in London? Should we do this? Should we do that? Um, should we ask our tour manager to drive over there and get all our stuff and come back? And I was like, I don't want to admit defeat now. You know, I w- I'd want to do it over there. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite painful and a little bit heartbreaking to sort of leave it and not know whether or not we'd actually get it done but um just to stay sane especially in that first lockdown i just started making some other music and and making it almost as an antidote to the way that that public service broadcasting records are made so not painstakingly researched and not you know conceptualized within a you know to within an inch of its life <laughs> and not not kind of fastidiously fussed over in terms of you know little tiny details here there and mixed forever and it was just like sequenced on hardware and just sort of pretty much banged out straight to stereo no mixing a couple of mini edits but that was it and then it's done yeah. it's done in like two and a half three months so wow. it was, and yeah it went out in december and it was just great i want to i definitely want to keep doing that because i think it kind of it does help you know kind of yeah take the pressure out of the system a bit yeah it's so a bit weirdly freeing in yeah. many ways having limited choices i guess yeah and also you know i'm you know much as I, you know, I write within the band public service broadcasting. I write first and foremost to satisfy the creative urge and to get something, you know, some inner, I don't know, demon or something out. You know, something has to come out. Um, it, it's still, it, you know, I can't write a record like the one I wrote for that. I can't have like four 13-minute tracks and that's it. Like, you know, my livelihood depends on it. Other people's livelihoods depend on it. You know, it needs to work within a certain setting. It needs to work within. So it has a lot of kind of responsibilities just because of what it is now. Um, so it's just lovely to just, you know, not have to worry about any of that yeah. and just be like, this song's 13 minutes. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with the record you've just made, you had that in mind, I gather, bef- when you were writing your previous album or maybe yeah. before that. Yeah, I don't so, know when. Yeah, right. At least, at <laughs> least been since there. then. Yeah. Live with it for a while. Yeah. How, do you feel like there's something else now rumbling on the go for the next one? I did have a conversation with... My wife the other day where I said I, it wasn't so much I know what I want to do, but I've got an interesting idea of how I could do something. Oh, um, and it would be un, it would be unusual, I think, and I just need to kind of 
you know, let that one sit for a while and have a, have a think about it or let my brain think about it while I'm not thinking about it. And there's possibly something in the offering for next year that we wouldn't be able to talk about. Right. So, so from the idea you spoke to your wife about, if we can we gauge from her response whether what kind of idea it is, what was her response to it? Her response was, hmm, that could be interesting. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all sorts of different ways you could go with it as well. So I was, yeah, I was just initially, I mean, I was saying you could do this, you could try that, you could do this. So and the seeds are starting. Or, yeah, just yeah. Starting, to, starting to think. But no, it's the first time finishing a public service broadcasting record that I don't know what the next one is, which is a slightly odd sensation. So mm. yeah, just try and relax and yeah. see what happens. Oh, great. Yeah, um, because when you were in Ber- uh, Berlin, sorry, I was going to say Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, when you recorded this album all about Birmingham in Birmingham, <laughs> yeah. I'm really, I've done my research. Yeah. <laughs> when you were in Berlin, <laughs> um, did you find that you were working in a very different way to how you had been in London previous? Um, a bit, a bit, I think. You know, I did try and break some of the habits that had fallen fallen back on and, and you know, new equipment does always help with that much as, you mm. know, you know, I can't get away from the fact that you're sitting in a very busy room here. There is clearly a lot of stuff. So I clearly like a lot of stuff. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you know, to take this Juno, for example, I got at least two songs out of that. Um, you know, People Let's Dance I got off that. Yeah. So that's worth it, isn't it? Totally. And the, the Decker Stream I got <laughs> at least three songs out of. So again, you know. Yeah, I don't feel too too guilty. I about mean, it, don't but. justify it to us. We're fine. <laughs> but I just, just mean in terms of like a new new instrument and new kind of new equipment can be a really good way of of sort of you know prompting different ways of working and different ways of writing and, and not just doing the same old same old. For the same reason, I kind of moved from Cubase to Logic for Every Valley, mm. um, just to stop kind of working the same you know program that I'd been working in for years just to see if there's some things I was missing or if it was going to change the way I work slightly in reality all it meant was I just got really annoyed and kept texting our Sam and saying why can't you do this <laughs> um, but yeah um, you know uh, it's, it's it, it does all help I think um, just to keep things fresh but you know the main difference is is just not as many kind of spoken word samples there are a lot of samples on the record but they're not presented in the same way that they were and they're not performing the same function so yeah um that was really the main the main sort of big change and probably the one that's you know going to cause most you know be most divisive amongst people who follow us a lot of people mm-hmm. that is us for them whereas for me it's not you know the, the concept is not limited to one way of working within one particular medium you know public no. service broadcasting as a concept much like the bbc can be you know hundreds of things thousands of things so um yeah it was going back to what we started with you know it's, it was it was a way of trying to sort of harness the energy and idea of Berlin as a place of, you know, like a prism or like a canvas and just use that for the band, you know, put those two together and see what happens. Hey, how about that? Ah, <laughs> uh, wasn't it nice to chat to him? I like, I can't believe he said to us actually that he had two other podcasts to record on the yes. same day. Which is why we're doing a really quick turnaround, so we could get ours out first. <laughs> yeah, I know, there's too many. Yeah. He's, he, he's even got his own podcast about yeah. this album, which yeah. I would really recommend you go and have a listen to. Yeah, it's dead interesting. Yeah, if you look up on the podcast app, it's called The Bright Magic Podcast. Ah, yes. And I think each episode deals with uh, a different track from the album. I think so. I think that's how it works. Good. But he does it with Rory McLean, who wrote the book uh, Berlin Imagine a City, which very much influenced the record. Um, yeah. But it's very interesting. And it you, is. It really enriches the experience, I think, because you, you go, oh, right, that's what that song's about. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Hel- helped yeah. me anyway. Um, so go and buy Bright Magic. Go to a shop, buy it. Uh, I, the vinyl is a really beautiful piece of, uh, piece of art, isn't it? It is absolutely beautiful. You've got it, haven't you? Oh, we have got it. Have you got the um, the orange, orange one? The orange, orange one. I've got the black. It's black with the the sort of triangular. No, but, yeah, oh, yeah, the actual but, records. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's like talking to an idiot, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, it's <laughs> so nice, I have isn't got it? the orange record. It's orange lovely. Final. <laughs> That's right. Hey, but on that note, though, Seb, yeah, yeah. That we should segue neatly into our special well, yeah, giveaway. Yeah, exciting. Should I put a little drum roll here? Yeah, could you? Okay, drum roll. <laughs> 
it's happening in my head as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Jay Wilgoose kindly gave us um, a, some vinyl of Bright Magic yeah. that we can give to one of you lucky listeners. Now, I'm not going to give too many details away about this, probably because I'll get facts wrong, but go to our Instagram page to find out details of how you can enter the giveaway and yeah. it'll be winging its way to you. It's signed by the man himself. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. If you want a signed copy, get over to Instagram, check our post out. All the information will be there. Yes. We'll be giving that away soon. Very, very soon. <laughs> Within a few days, I would have thought, but we need to work out the details. Um, <laughs> also, if you're a fan of this podcast and you're a fan of Jay Wilgus Esquire, why don't you go over to our Patreon? Because we've got an extra bonus episode with more Jay Wilgoose chats. Yeah, do. You don't want we've to got... miss out on that, guys. It's really good. Yeah, we've got some, was it another, another 15 minutes or so, isn't it? Something um, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Around. 15 is maybe a gen- tad generous this Ten time. Minutes. but <laughs> Some of our other guests, we've got like half an hour. Yeah, that's or true. Or even more so, you know. Well, we get always on do. Over we... there. We do an extra episode with every guest because they just go on and on, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Guests love talking about stuff. Yada, so yada, yada. Can't fit it all in the main episode. So um, go over there. And it also supports the show because we, we do this ourselves, you know. Although we do have sponsorship now. We should mention the sponsorship. Oh, yes, we should. This is exciting. Yeah. You probably heard at the beginning of this episode our advert for the amazing Chimney Fire Coffee. And thanks so much to those guys for sponsoring this podcast. Yeah, thanks a and lot. they sent me some coffee. And they sent you some coffee. But I know yeah. your taste hasn't necessarily been there. <laughs> well, actually, I couldn't taste anything at all. When they first got in touch, they were like, we'll send you some coffee. I was like, cool. Uh, I can't taste the <laughs> thing. I love the texture sure of coffee, good. me. Yeah. <laughs> It certainly is warm and wet. Yeah, I, it's really good. I had to, um, some Ethiopian beans and mm. Mm, delicious. Ethiopian always seems to be pretty good for coffee. Yeah, I, I, yeah they th- are. In my, my very uh, uh, rudimentary knowledge <laughs> of, uh, of coffee. I feel like yeah, with all my wine place. tasting work and all the all the things I'm learning about soil and environment, yeah. I should be able to come up with something really intelligent to say about that. But I've got nothing. I've nothing got nothing. No. I can retain nothing. No. Um, Chimney Fire Coffee is um, a company that my friend works for, Sam Pierce. Mm. You might know him, listeners. Uh, he he was a French horn player, and he he has now decided to leave that part of his career aside and go and work for this coffee company, which he's so excited about. Working in yeah. the Surrey Hills, Sam loves coffee. Um, and he loves cycling, cycling as well, which is a part of the part of the coffee company, isn't it? They, they yeah. provide bikes uh, for the uh, the places they get their coffee from. Uh, so it's great. He got in touch and was like, "Hey, we could sponsor you." And we were like, "Yeah, that'd be cool." And uh, we like coffee, so there we go. Yeah, there's a, there's an offer, guys, and I'd definitely take it up. It's it is really great coffee, and they'll send it directly to you in compostable bags. Um, mm. If you go to their website and you put in. T-I-A-B 20, you get 20% off your first order. So worth it. Yeah, do it. Do, do it. it. Do it. Do it. Check it out. Yeah. Um, that's everything to mention, isn't it? It is. In this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, should we send them off on their merry way? Yeah, I think we should. Um, thanks for, for joining us this week. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a brand new guest. Yep. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 